A new development on the west side, the return of the soiree. Anderson Mall in foreclosure, downtown traffic a mess, plus economic development news and updates from Iva, Pelzer, and Williamston, and the return of a distant drum. All this and more on this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Well, it's, it, as the rain continues and there's flooding and all sorts of things going on, it's fall. First and foremost, the biggest news of the week was Greenville Base M. Peters has purchased the old Equinox Mill property from the county and is planning a multi-stage development, which will include 120 low-income family units, uh, 26 single-family houses, a playground, a community garden, a dog park, a trail, and some retail development. And this is great news for that just garbage and rubble-filled property, which has been the site of fires and crime and all sorts of other stuff, and also been a terrible eyesore for more than a decade, or much longer than that, actually. The company, which did a similar project at the Newry Mill in Seneca, is already assessing cleanup and should begin soon, and we really are glad to hear that for that part of town. It, it could expand downtown into a new area and really look nice. Uh, the other big news of the week is the proposed return of the Anderson Soiree, the city's downtown festival, which ran from 1985 to 2009, with a gap in there when they were building the new courthouse, which is now not new anymore. The return of the festival will be better funded and have more support from the city and is set for the last weekend in April of 2022. And the city of Anderson's economic development director, Kimberly Spears, talked to me about this news. Well, we're in the very, um, we're kind of in the uh, in the middle of the planning stages, if you will. So we we kind of came up with the idea and and I have to give my um my event manager and, and education manager, Caroline Gaddis, uh, a lot of credit because she grew up in the soiree. <laughs> right. She was a child when we were putting the soiree on. So even in her interview three years ago, she made the comment, I asked what kind of programming she'd like to see uh, or she would program if, if, we got, if uh, she got the position. And one of the first things she said was, I'd love to bring the soiree back. So, um, so needless to say, this has been a passion of hers. And um, so we're just in the process. We kind of got the green light from the council to move forward. So we're getting a committee together, and we're hoping to, you know, be able to gather those folks and kind of, you know, really assess everything. We've done a little bit of what I call research and development. Um, we uh, met with and talked to people that uh, organized the soiree for all those years and got their feedback. Um, internally, we met with folks, our finance, all those people to kind of get some direction and make sure that we we're kind of, we could do this. Um, and we've met with the Art Center, who is going to be a major player because, of course, it's focused on the arts, performing arts, culinary arts, visual arts. So, um, so right now we're just we're just really getting started, and um, and hoping that you know one of the things one of the cautions I guess is this COVID situation. But I'm thinking by by next spring, we'll you know it'll be manageable in right. terms of being able to have gatherings and stuff like that. That that's a big hope. But I will say that would be the only thing that would um, would cause us to to pause is if if we get back into a situation where you know where public safety is not something, you know, that can be jeopardized. Right. Um, but other than that, we've kind of got, like I said, we got the green light, so we're, we're gathering committees and, um, and getting those folks together to start looking at, you know, what we want to, you know, what, how do we want to bring it back and what do we want to, you know, who will participate and kind of uh, fundraising, of course, because, you know, the festival isn't free. <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you looking for sponsors already or? 
We are. We're well. We are. But like I said, we haven't. We haven't done anything. I mean, we just kind of got permission on this. So we've really kind of been, you know, just getting our committee together and starting to look at, you know, what do we need to fundraise for? Like, we, I think we have a meeting this week to look at sound and, you know, how, what kind of sound we'd need for so many stages and, you know, just to really start to see what infrastructure-wise do we need, um, you know, to put in place and that sort of thing. So we really haven't even had a big committee meeting yet. It's just kind of been Carolina and myself. And then Lauren Lindsay, who's over at PIP, she's the vice chair. Um, she's going to be, you know, she's very integral, you know, integral to this um, process too. So, so it's really a partnership. We want to make sure that the community is, you know, it's a community-led festival, and that we're hosting it. So we're given a lot of the infrastructure and um, and being able to, you know, I mean, when we had the festival, I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever. We didn't have the things that we have now, like Carolina Rim Park right. and you know beautification and and these other parks, Church Street and and the new one that's getting ready to open up, the Pocket Parks. We didn't have any of that sort of infrastructure that had electricity and you know just lots of different things. So really, we're we're going into this in a situation where we feel much more excited about. I mean, it's still a big undertaking. Don't get me wrong, but. The city has the infrastructure. We, the city has been putting some of those things in place because events and vibrancy and, and trying to do things that really engage the public and have the public involved in things downtown has been kind of, you know, at the forefront of decision-making. So, Do you have so tentative anyway, dates? I'm sorry, do you have any tentative dates? Yeah, we would be, we're, yeah, we're looking at um, that last weekend in um, April. So it would be... So it would be two-day festival. So it's Friday from like 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday from 10 to 9 p.m. And that's going to be the 29th and the 30th. Okay. To be the last weekend in April. Well, I know a lot of people have been, you know, you, you know, everybody talks talks about the soiree. How how important? I mean, your bigger job, economic development. How important? Is it to have a, a signature downtown event for what you do? I I just think it's uh, something that the community, but also when you're when you're kind of um, talking about all the all the benefits of you know relocating here as a business and um, you know being a part of a city, then it's just another way to say you know our city our city is engaged and this is how we celebrate and there's lots of opportunities whether you know. You're looking at it from a sales. You're going to open a restaurant, and then you know, hey, they do a big festival. They do Shakespeare in the park. They they do all these things to get people down here. In addition to, like right now, we're doing Fresh Taste, which is our restaurant week that's right. going on. So we're trying to drive traffic to uh, to all those restaurants and and put, you know really um, publicize the fact that they're paired up with a farm and it's you know making sure that we uh, publicize and, and kind of bring attention to, you know, just the fresh taste, but also the farm-to-table movement that's been going on. Um, so I think it's really important. I mean, you know, anytime you can show that you, you I mean, and you do that in a couple of different ways. I mean, you're not only saying it and saying this is all the things that we have going, but people can see that automatically. You know, every day, oh, tonight's this night. We had first Friday this week or 
you know, there's all these there's all these events. But a signature event to me really kind of has a statement about it that says, you know, you've you you've kind of progressed to a a certain level, um, you know, of development, you know, for a city. This is really good news to see the soiree coming back. Anderson needs and deserves a signature festival for downtown for a town our size. And I'm glad that uh, Kimberly Spheres and the folks in economic development is working together with all the different partners to try to make this thing happen. So shout out to them for that. In other downtown news, Fresh Taste Anderson is underway, which is pairs local restaurants with local farms for a contest on who can prepare the best farm-to-table dishes. You can see details of that and who is participating, pretty much all the local restaurants, and how to vote on the Facebook uh, page from there or the City of Anderson website. Also downtown, the demolition of the old Pennell building uh, adjacent to Carolina Wren Park is going going on now. Uh, Roy Pennell used that building as a, a exchange for um, currency, which is why it looks like a bank. And the Pavilion building there is across from the historic courthouse. And they've rerouted traffic, and it will continue to be rerouted for the next few weeks, maybe as long as the end of the month. And that building is nearly 100 years old and has been purchased by Anderson School District 5. It's one of the two buildings they bought downtown for office space for senior instructional staff. And the building that's being demolished is beyond repair. Several people looked at it. And it should be torn down before long and made way for a new building site there against the Carolina Wren Park Pavilion building. So it's all going to be good. It's going to be nice when it gets done. But in the meantime, you can't use that part of Whitner's, East Whitner Street. And it's just it's just not a, not a fun thing if you're going downtown. It also, it's limiting parking. It's cutting into parking downtown. But if you are downtown, don't forget to visit Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which recently was chosen the top local restaurant in five categories in the best of the upstate. Sullivan's is getting a fresh look with new tables and chairs, and they also have new menus now. You might want to check out lots of new items on those menus and, and return to some old favorites and some tweaks. Sullivan's is one of the top 100 restaurants in America and has long been Anderson's top fine dining experience. The same food is available for you for your special event with white tablecloth catering and prices comparable to far less elegant and tasty competitors for any family reunion, business thing, anything else you got going on. Go down and tell Bill Nickus how much you think of Sullivan's and how much you appreciate him coming to downtown when nobody else wanted to more than 20 years ago and helping kick off the renaissance of downtown and tell him you heard about it on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. In other news, the Anderson Mall went into foreclosure this week, mirroring struggles of indoor malls across the country, which were already challenged before the pandemic, but were seriously hurt by all the shutdowns. People who made the switch to online ordering have just not returned, and the mall is hoping to find a new owner to reboot and find ways to bring people in there. Keep in mind that the Belks, Dillard's, and the old Sears property are not owned by the mall and are not directly affected by the bankruptcy, but obviously they'd be affected by less traffic coming through there. We hope a good owner finds it and finds a way to rejuvenate that mall and and make it something that uh, Anderson wants to go to again. And meanwhile, there's more good economic news for the county. Plastic Omnium is adding 76 jobs and a new $17.7 million investment. And Glenn Raven is adding another 135 jobs. Manufacturing continues to explode in Anderson County with decent wages and even transportation to work for some employees. So it's all good news. If somebody's out of work and looking for a good job, there are some good-paying jobs that are available right now for people who are ready to go to work. And the Anderson Regional Airport officially unveiled their new terminal which has been open for a little while. It's one of the best in the States and has now announced the 
first charter plane service for individuals and businesses. Next up is expanded runways and storage. And this weekend is uh, a good time if you want to go out. The weather's supposed to clear up. You want to check it out. Uh, the new airport out there is really nice. And it's, brought, it's a very important part of Anderson's economic development strategy. We have corporate jets flying in there all the time, every day, not only for the businesses that are here, but the businesses that are in surrounding areas. All of the Clemson sports teams except football flies in and out of there, and, and the opposing teams almost all fly in and out of there when they come to Anderson and come to Clemson. It's just a really important airport, and the expansion out there has done well, and, and Brett Garrison's done a really good job continuing to develop it. He grew up out there and has a heart for that place, so we're really pleased and really um, want to encourage folks that uh, haven't been out to the airport and see the new terminal go out and take a look at it. Well, this weekend kicks off the season of fall festivals. Pendleton and Honeyhub Path have their festivals, and Iowa hosts its annual depot days on Saturday. Towns across the county continue to grow heading into the end of the year. And last week you heard from the mayors of Pendleton and Belton as well as the Iva Town manager. And this week I interviewed the mayors of Honeyhub Path, Pelzer, and Williamston. First up, Honeyhub Path Mayor Christopher Burton. Um, had a had a huge fireworks extravaganza according to uh, Carolina Ford. They uh, they put that together and uh, classic Pontiac Rescue had a had a real nice car show down there for us. Also, um, that was the fourth over the weekend of the fourth. It was uh, Saturday before the fourth. Yes, sir. Fourth was on a Sunday this year. It's real good festival. Had a lot of vendors. We had a real good time. Opened the pool up and all. I think we talked about that last time. But it, it went went real well. We was very impressed with uh, the turnout and how everything's went. Any updates on projects in the city over the summer that y'all been working on? So I did have a meeting with um, Anderson County Administration today, and uh, they come down and toured the uh, Chicola Mill site with me and um, got some very promising news from, from that front and hoping that uh, that comes to fruition soon, sooner than later. So uh, got got some things going on in town. Some I can talk about, of course, some I can't, but uh, that's that's one bright spot I can, can say. That what we, would y'all uh, like to do out there? Um, clean it up first and foremost. Um, maybe some housing units out there. Some, um, maybe a nursing home. Mr. Self that uh, talked about for uh, we've been dealing with him uh, four years now. Me and the previous mayor as well. Uh, we'll see. I have a meeting with Mr. Self uh, next week to see if he's still interested in possibly clear, clearing that land and making a nursing home out of it. And cooperative efforts with the county are important to getting that done. Oh, absolutely. Um, Greg Smith is a huge part of that with uh, Anderson County Landfill and uh, Rusty Burns and his crew, uh, Steve Newton and uh, Mr. Kamey, John Kamey, I think he's new to Anderson administration. They're, they're all big involved in that and helping us out there, I guess. What else you got going on in the city? So uh, next weekend, uh, good time you come to interview me. We have a uh, fall festival starting on the 8th. Um, Kick off around five, I believe, with some uh, a DJ and some karaoke and out, outdoor dining. And we have a, a couple of bands playing Friday night. And then the uh, big event on Saturday. So all day we're going to have a classic car show and um, some trophies, some cash prizes down at Classic Pontiac Rescue. And um, all day festivities going on on Main Street. I think we've got some carnival, some face painting going on, maybe some balloon arts and craft, a lot of vendors, some stage on Main Street. Um, I believe there's five bands playing um, Saturday the 9th, so uh, big festival. We're looking forward to it. We're real proud of it, and uh, we want, want everybody to come on down to Honey Path see what we got to offer. We, we, uh, we're doing great things and hope to continue.
And what other events you got going between now and the end of the year? So at the end of uh, October, we'll have our normal closed Main Street off and the trick-or-treating with the vendors, uh, not vendors, excuse me, the uh, merchants downtown. Um, end of November, we'll have a Christmas tree lighting ceremony uh, at the uh, old municipal building downtown. We also have the uh, Civitans host the Christmas parade. It's, it's coming up in December as well. So. You know what the date on that is? I don't yet. I believe it's going to be the first Saturday in December for the um, parade, and I'm wanting to do Friday night, Black Friday after Thanksgiving for Christmas tree lighting ceremony downtown at the municipal association, uh, municipal building. Because yeah, y'all try to you try to cooperate with the other towns to make sure you're not on stepping on each other's parades, right? Absolutely. So I believe Belton has their standpipe festival or some fall festival starting today i believe or tomorrow so i get with the area mayors we we are double booked with a, with another town on on this coming weekend but it couldn't be avoided so uh i was thinking about the christmas parade Z. i try to be careful oh yeah so many people are in all the different parades sure yes sir so um i, I really think this year the the honey path parade to be first on that saturday and then shortly after belton's parade to be in the late to mid afternoon so uh, ours will be in the morning theirs will be in the afternoon but i believe they're on the same day what are some of the things you and council would like to get done between now and the end of the year? Um, like to get some movement on the Chicola Mill site. We do have a grant through Brownfield that we're working towards to get uh, some more debris and RC and D moved off of it. I'd, I'd really like to um, get with the uh, asbestos abatement and have our maintenance director, Matt McCullough, get with him and possibly identify a couple of piles that our people can... Uh, can remove themselves in their spare time, not that they have any, but um, maybe we could get something moving there on that. Um, and set up next year's calendars be be real important for me to um, accomplish for the end of the year as far as festivities and stuff like that for the town so we can really get ahead of it and get the vendors involved and get the merchants in town involved with uh, cash prizes and donations and stuff like that. So that's something we're working on right now with the planning committee. What about COVID relief money? Is that going to help you guys do some things you want to do? It is very much going to help us. The uh, ARP, um, uh, we're, we're still waiting on it, of course, but the, the funds we got, we, we uh, will get. We have uh, uh, plenty of work that needs to be done and can be done with that money, mostly uh, water and sewer infrastructure and broadband. So currently we're looking for uh, possibly putting up a cell tower in town or maybe um, putting some sales service otherwhere uh, elsewhere that I, I really can't talk about right now but um so we're looking forward to uh being able to use that money and give back to the citizens and get get maybe get some some uh, relief on some some other places as well with that money so broadband's a big initiative here too it seems like countywide everybody's looking trying to make sure everybody can get broadband sure so um a lot of the town's covered by charter but not all of it and uh with the newer generation and, and definitely seeing it as a as a, a college professor uh, all my students are 19 to 25 usually and uh, everybody uses hotspot on their phones now nobody really uses cable at that age i don't think so broadband is is a huge thing for our town as, as well as surrounding towns and cities about new housing got any new housing going up uh there's a few houses going up that's uh, just individuals no um subdivisions being developed right now we are looking at at one uh talking with an investor right now for a uh maybe a 40 unit subdivision going in town um but uh, not a lot of buildings going on right now except just individuals moving to 
um, cleared land on, on, on in the town limits. Any new businesses you wanted to talk about? Not lately. We're we're still looking. We're still trying to get a few that um, are 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 wanting to locate in Honeypath. So I did reach out to a, a couple, but I, I'll keep that uh, keep that under wraps for now. I don't want to get the people excited and then it not happen. And well, the mayor said so. Uh, we are looking for several things. Uh, still very interested in what we can do with the old Fred's building. Uh, got a couple leads on that. Got got some people looking in on that and what what we can do there. So uh, there's some plans, but nothing I can really speak on, and nothing pops out that's brand new to the town right now. So how about the census? Y'all still evaluating the census numbers to see if that's going to help y'all in any way? I do have our analysis. Um, guy doing that right now I, I haven't heard back from him yet so i'm not real sure uh, where we stand on that but sure we're we're looking at how much growth the town's got and hopefully we can put some some things in place and implement some policies to bring some more growth to town yeah i was going to say is there anything else y'all doing to promote the town or market it or anything right now we're concentrating on our festivals and uh advertising outside you know the 29654 area uh again classic Pontiac Rescue is, uh, they're having a car show down at the, uh, at their business and, uh, they're bringing people from as far as Texas and Oklahoma and up north Michigan and just all over New York. Uh, people really get involved in these car shows and they come from all over. So we, uh, we're looking forward to seeing how big that's going to be this year. Pelzer is also readying for fall and leading into the holidays. And here's what Mayor Will Ragland had to say about what's going on in Pelzer. We just had our uh, annual car show and blood drive. That was this past weekend, and that is uh, a, an effort led by the Pelzer Light people, also known as the Golf Cart Gang. <laughs> yeah, they're they're making they're they're going to really uh, do some big things coming up ahead. We can talk about that in a minute. Sure, they are a group of individuals who live on the lower mill, and they are very active. Um, these events are usually led by my good friend Michelle Watson and um, they put it on all by themselves uh, it was a, a great turnout again this year they had a food truck and a lot of folks participated in the blood drive so it's always great to have citizens who are active and want to get involved in in our community and making Pelzer a better place and of course the light people um, resurrected last Christmas and we're already talking about Christmas this year with the light people. And we are in the uh, middle of um, talking about decorations. You know, we spent a lot of uh, time and energy and effort and money on uh, doing a better job of decorating Pelzer for Christmas, especially this historic gym and the parking lot next door is where the light people set up. So we're uh, buying even more uh, decorations to make it even better, bigger and better every year. What about the Christmas parade? Since we're talking about Christmas, when's the Christmas parade this year? Um, what we've started to do is start it at, at twilight in West Pelzer, and it's a uh, two-town event where we start in West Pelzer and come all the way down to the bridge by the Saluda here in Pelzer. So it's a uh, always a fun thing. Last year was huge. It was the biggest one we've ever had and we're hoping that this year will be even bigger. Got any other fall events coming up? Uh, yes, actually we have a holiday market uh, that's gonna be in November here at the Historic Gym. 
and it's going to be outside with lots of vendors. Uh, our annual holiday market here in Pelzer. Got to check on that date too, but it's going to be sometime in November. Uh, so get excited about that. We'll be sharing more information about that on our Facebook page. Anything for Halloween? Um, we're not doing anything for Halloween, but there's always um, trunk or treat uh, at the local churches. There's actually, um, I forgot about Pumpkin Palooza. We are having that event, West Pelzer, and Pelzer's joining in and helping to uh, sponsor that event, Pumpkin Palooza in West Pelzer, which uh, does coincide with, with Halloween. So there's just so much going on, I can't keep track, Greg. Well, one of the things that really has been big in the news recently is... The so to uh, get you all up to speed, the Pelzer Heritage Commission is a nonprofit organization that formed a little over 10 years ago, and they were given all of the uh, mill property, um, uh, several uh, tens of acres of, of, uh, of property, and they have been working diligently over the years to uh, secure grants and funding to clean up those properties because they were, um, you know, they were, they were uh, contaminated by the, the existence of the mills. And so finally, all of this work has paid off uh, all at once, it seems. We're going to have some major developments coming to both the lower and the upper mills. We can now talk about it. And right down here on the lower mill, uh, if you see the, um, the ruins, the last remaining building of the original mill that's still there, that's going to become loft apartments. So all this, uh, this fancy development is finally coming to us as well. So they're going to build uh, also a new structure that looks just like the existing one behind it. And there's going to be a total of 95 brand new loft apartments in that area. And the, uh, the office administration building right here by the bridge, is going to be a new restaurant, finally. Really good restaurant that is actually an expansion of an existing restaurant in Brooklyn, in New York City. And these are some good buddies of mine, um, Chris and Keisha uh, Gansey, and they are, uh, have local ties. Keisha grew up in Pelzer, has family in Pelzer, and I went to high school with her, ran high school, and they came back uh, during the pandemic, and I said, let's drive around Pelzer. I want to show you some, some cool buildings that have potential. And based on that conversation, they decided to expand their business. Dale View Biscuits and Beer in Brooklyn is going to be expanding to Pelzer. <laughs> and they're award winning up there, right? They're doing a great job. It's gluten-free buttermilk biscuits. and They put all kinds of cool stuff inside of them. And then Chris brews his own beer as well. I think he will be the only African-American brewmaster in the state of South Carolina, which is really awesome. Chris is from Columbia. He went to AU. I believe he plays the cello. And then he moved up to New York City. And Keisha, like I said, is from the area. And uh, went to NYU and stayed up there. And they lived up there for 20 years. And they've uh, come back home. And their three uh, beautiful kids are in Greenville County Schools. And... Um, they're going to be expanding. They've bought the building. They're going to restore it. 
save it and repurpose it for a really awesome restaurant. So finally, now when people ask me at Milltown Players, where do you eat around here? I can give them a brand new option and it is gonna be open at night and I, I'm excited about the breakfast options too. <laughs> this is the most growth Pelzer has seen, at least in my memory. Uh, that's right. And I haven't even told you about what's happening at the upper mill. So there is a warehouse that's left at the upper mill. Uh, for those of you who know the upper mill, gorgeous structure built around 1895. It was bought and torn down for parts, unfortunately. So there's nothing left except for that one warehouse. And what's going to happen is that warehouse is going to become uh, residential on top. And then there's a 3,500 square foot basement that's going to become a senior action center. And they are putting little uh, apartments all around this, this uh, central location. Uh, I think 80 of them are going in and it's going to be for seniors. It's going to be at a discounted rate. You have to be 55 or older and qualify in order to be in, uh, in these, this housing. And it, it's just you or your spouse. You can't have your whole family living with you. But it's a, a, a neat little thing I've never seen before. It's a you know, retirement community for seniors who want to downsize and have things to do and live with um, their peers. So, you know, a lot of our population here in Pelzers is getting older and um, those individuals may not want to take care of the home that they're in. They might want to uh, make things a little bit easier and this is an option for them. So we're excited about that. So we've got 80 units there, 95 down by the river in the lower mill. And then there are eight, uh, nine, excuse me, nine river cottages going on Parker Street on the Saluda River. Uh, for the first time, there'll be homes directly on the river. So to answer your question, we are now seeing mass construction in Pelzer that we have not seen since the 1800s. And that's a big deal, because if you look around this, this town right now, most of it was built in the 1880s and 90s. And we've not, we've, we've have, you know, have a few buildings here and there that have been built since then, but nothing quite on this scale. So our population is going to change drastically in the next few years. These uh, projects are scheduled to be finished in 23. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Um, you know, we've all believed that Pelzer is going to become a, a, a sought after bedroom community of Greenville and Anderson. And we're finally seeing that happen. And it's happening quickly. I mean, we have a perfect location at the intersection of eight and 20. This is the real Southern connector. A lot of traffic comes through here. We've got three miles of riverfront property and we're finally uh, taking advantage of our location beside the river. We've got plans for um, a future trail system. We are looking at a major development, residential and retail for the old Lagoon property up Courtney Street. That's 120 acres. And so you're going to see uh, major changes here in Pelzer. Um, and I'm excited for it. And I think it's important that in this growth that we uh, maintain our, our unique identity, our small town charm, the historic nature of this town. And all of these developments have stated publicly that 
everything they're doing is going to keep that in mind so that everything you see is going to look like it has it belongs here and is part of uh, the architecture um, that you see here already. We don't want anything brand new. We don't want urban sprawl. We want to maintain Pelzer's uh, unique identity, like I said before. That's very important because we want things that, that are only here in Pelzer that you can't find anywhere else to make this a true destination. But it's a very exciting time because everything is about to happen. So I'm thankful to be a part of this right now. And, um, you know, our, our American Rescue Plan money is coming in soon. That's a lot of money. It's like $600,000. And we still need to figure out what we're allowed to spend it on. Infrastructure is definitely one thing. So that's going to play a major role in the renovation and revitalization of this town. And uh, we still have plans to renovate the community building. We're still in the um, initial phases of that. We finished our work in the monkey park on the hillsides beside Highway 8. We did more tree work, uh, cutting down dead trees, raising the canopy of all trees. We did some grading on the hillsides to make them safer and look better. And we also had a beautiful new wooden crossbuck fence installed along the perimeter of the Monkey Park and some areas that were um, next to some drop-offs that were dangerous. So it looks really good. We're going to stain that fence and make it look even better. We're about to plant a lot of grass in the Monkey Park for the first time in a long time. So um, I love this time of year, finally having some cool weather. It's a great time to plant some trees and plant some grass and think about the future. And uh, that's the most fun thing is to think about the potential, the future and where we're going to be and what we're going to look like and who's going to be here in about five years. And some citizens got together and had a mural done to reflect the history here recently. Of that. That's right. I'm telling you, Greg, uh, Pelzerites, they like to stay busy and do things for the town. They love this town so much with all of their being. And uh, Miss Betty Jordan, also known as Betty Boop, down here by the river, uh, she cuts hair and sells antiques. And she and Elaine Hunt got together and the Pelzer Heritage Commission, along with uh, local artist Thomas Addison, and came up with this idea for a, a historic mural that depicts the founders of Pelzer, Captain Smythe and Francis Pelzer, and uh, some scenes that incorporate different people who lived here and spent their lives here and were instrumental in the the growth and development history of this town. So it, if, you, if you go by Betty Boops, you'll see this large mural with several panels and the two large figures of Captain Smythe and Francis Pelzer. And then uh, our train station and several different figures who represent um, actual people who lived here. So it's really a tribute to uh, not only the town, but its citizens and what a great way to do that. And again, it was all um, led by citizens and business people who work here. Um, they didn't even ask the town for any money. They just did it. So how cool was that?
And one of the other, I mean, distinctives, when you mentioned Pelzers outside the area, people think of as Milltown players. And y'all were able to reopen. Well, I mean, people will say, in that word, Milltown players are when you say Pelzer. Y'all were able to reopen yours this year and get going again? How's that? Yes. Uh, well, we had a, uh, an amazing period this summer of huge attendance, just exploding. And I thought, oh, boy, this is how it's going to be from now on. And then, of course, the Delta variant hit, and we are now going through a period of uh, slower attendance. And what shows do y'all have between now and the end of the year? Well, the big one that I'm working on right now is, of course, our Christmas concert. And those are always the, the most favorite of our patrons. The one we did before the pandemic was called the Smoky Mountain Christmas, and it was a bluegrass theme. And it was uh, our, the biggest hit we'd ever had. And so um, I'm working on topping that <laughs> with a brand new themed concert called Jingle Bell Rock. And it's going to have a uh, live band with a full horn section featuring hits from the 50s and 60s. Um, and we all know these songs. They're also you know, traditional songs that were sung by groups from that era. And uh, you just can't beat it. It's, it's all music. There are 30 songs. I'm uh, still casting the show. I've got some great people. You're going to see a lot of new faces on our stage, which is always fun. And I've got a very strong music director and a choreographer, and I am uh, directing the show myself and designing the set. And um, I'm really... <laughs> I'm kind of going all out with this set. It's going to be quite spectacle. I've been um, looking at investing in pounds of glitter. <laughs> Personally, I don't like glitter. I like using it because you can never get rid of it. But this may be the year I break that rule and we go real glitzy. I'm looking at making some giant candy canes and uh, some massive Christmas ornaments that are hung from the ceiling and a huge glittery Stratocaster guitar right in the center, right above the drummer. It's called Jingle Bell Rock, you know. You gotta do it right. <laughs> well, uh, we have an election coming up on November the 2nd and I'm running unopposed, which I'm very thankful not to have to worry too much about that. Uh, as you know, I've not been mayor for very long. I'm um, fulfilling the, the term of the former mayor who had to resign due to health reasons and unfortunately he passed away. So if, if I am elected, reelected, this will be my first uh, full term, which is four years. And then we have two council members who are also uh, running again as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We've got, um, let's see, we've got four people running for two spots. And of course the two top vote getters will be on the council. And uh, that'll be November the 2nd. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Christmas is always big in Pelzer and our mind is sort of set on that. We kind of, when it hits October, we kind of skip Halloween and Thanksgiving in our minds and go straight to the big one. I mean, it's, it's so exciting to be a part of things now. And I love driving around town every day and seeing the foundations going up for new homes and seeing people um, 
to get excited about what's to come. And meanwhile, growth in Williamston is unprecedented. And with new housing, expanded sewer systems, and other improvements, Mayor Rocky Burgess is really excited about what's going on there. Let's just start with, there's been a, yet a very busy summer up through Labor Day. Let's talk about some of the things people may have missed that's happened in Williamson over the last couple of months. Sure. So we've had a lot of, lot of, lot of big announcements, particularly with our residential uh, development coming uh, down toward Brock Lane and possibly some on Mahaffey Road very soon. That's a we lot do, of houses, right? We do. There's uh, 60, around 60 homes going in on Brock Lane, and they've actually uh, released the name of that. That's going to be Saratoga Villages and Saratoga Oaks. It'll be two separate um, subdivisions on one one track of land. So, uh, is that the biggest housing bump y'all have seen in a while? Or? It's the biggest housing bump we've seen in quite a while, and uh, they're going they're going to get started on that uh, as soon as council signs that contractual agreement, which we expect that to happen on Monday at our council meeting. Um, they're planning on starting civil engineering and that type of stuff, getting getting ready for that project to kick off. Hopefully, they'll start some construction at some point in time this year, early next year. Um, we've had Spring Water Festival, obviously that took place the fourth Saturday in August. We had a good turnout for it. It's a lot of fun. People came from all over. Um, the week following we had the Balloon Festival, which was really exciting. I got to go up on the, in a hot air balloon for the first time and see the town. Um, I'm scared of heights, but I'm going to tell you it was a lot of fun. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Good, good crowds. Um, great crowd. Great crowd showed up for that. It was a, to benefit the Anderson Cancer Society. Um, which is a great local organization that helps local folks uh, that are battling cancer with their medications, um, helps them with transportation to and from their, their appointments and stuff like that. Any way they can help, Angie Stringer and the group over there with the, the local cancer society does a fantastic job. And we're always great to have them here. It was, uh, it's always good to see people turn out. I think we had balloons from Florida. We had balloons from all over, and I don't remember exactly how many, but it was uh, quite, a, quite a sight. Hope to do it every year. Is that Absolutely, yeah. We want to grow it and uh, continue that. This this year it ended up being um, uh, the balloon event happened. We had launches in all three towns, so that was that was something unique too this year. Um, you know, we talk about the three three towns but one community, uh, and we truly on that, that weekend, or that week we had the balloon festival. We literally had things going on uh, in all three towns, so that was exciting to see as well. And you were talking about how hard you've been working. Let's talk about economic development and what's been happening in Williamson that people, some of the things they've probably seen, some of the things they haven't. Sure. So uh, some of the economic development stuff we got going on, if you look at uh, uh, the new Ace Hardware store that's going up, you'll start seeing uh, they got the pad and the site work done. That was quite a bit of, that was the, the major accomplishment. That has happened. That's taken place. And now we're starting to see the steel being erected. I think they started this week, as a matter of fact. There's already some siding going on. So uh, that's exciting to see that happening. Uh, we have Maple Bakery just opened up in Williamston. Um, they have been packed out. It is a phenomenal place. If you want to go in and grab a, a muffin or a cupcake or something like that, is they, they, they do a jam-up job there. Uh, they've been well-received by the community, and uh, we're grateful to have them here in Williamston. Um, in addition to all the residential development we got going on, lots of onesie-twosie homes going up. Um, council's taken an initiative whereby we're finding uh, properties that are derelict, particularly on the Mill Village. We're trying to revitalize that area. Um, the most recent, I'll give a quick success story. We had a home that was burned out on uh, West 2nd Street, and uh, council took the initiative to receive that property. It was donated. Uh, again, it was a liability for the owner. It was a uh, eyesore for the town, and uh, we accepted that, spent a little bit of money on it, having the home removed, and now we're flipping that property to a developer who will, who will um, a local developer who will build uh, on that home, on that site uh, by the end of the year. 
with the first brand new home on the Mill Village, I think in probably in my lifetime, uh, on the Mill Village proper. Um, so that's that's an exciting uh, to see that. And we're looking at other properties on the Mill Village that are derelict or, in, or eyesore in state of disrepair to do the same thing with. So uh, hopefully we'll see some um, revitalization on the Mill Village and uh, other areas of town that, that are in need of, of uh, revitalization. What's the latest on the grocery store? Um, I have not heard any new news on the grocery store. We do know that um, the contractual agreement, I believe, with uh, uh, Ace Hardware and Town Square Properties was signed, I want to say it was June, and at that point in time, uh, the current tenants had, I believe, six months to uh, vacate, to build new, and to vacate, so we're, we're coming up on that by the end of the year, so I would expect uh, we'll start seeing some transition over from vacating the current Town Square Properties uh, over to the Ace Hardware, in particular, over to the new Hamilton Street property, and we hope to have some announcements uh, forthcoming directly thereafter. But that'll be up to Ingalls. Um, they're the property owner there now, and uh, we haven't had, heard any new information, um, but we do know they own the property outright. And you've been here your whole life. Is this this growth, is it fair to say this is unprecedented growth? Very much unprecedented. Um, we have, we've known growth was coming this way, uh, for quite some time, and I'll give credit to the to the previous administration. That's one thing that was done a very good job of planning for that growth. You know, we've been planning for um, ever since I've been on council. You know, ten years or so, we've been planning for growth, and so we know what that growth will look like. And we're wanting quality growth. You know, we don't we don't want just things thrown up. We want what we know what the community wants. Um, you know, we've had a lot of community input and zoning and stuff like that. So we want that quality growth, and we've been able to plan on that for quite a number of years so it's here and uh, we're excited about it um, we're excited about all the all the things to come in Williamston what do you attribute this this sudden I mean it's not sudden like you say y'all been planning for it, but why why is the growth now seem to be ramping up well I mean if you look at the housing market um, the growth is I think is pretty much everywhere um, anywhere you go we know there's gonna be growth but there's only so many areas in your in your metropolitan areas such as Anderson Greenville and others um, there's only so many locations to be able to serve. And so people can come to Williamston, buy a home for less money. Um, there's still a 20 minute, 10, 15 minute drive uh, to work, to and from work. You know, we're, we're happen to have those areas that are available for growth. So, uh, we, you know, we're, we've worked hard on infrastructure, trying to make sure that it's there and ready for when the town, uh, when that growth comes. And so uh, we're here and we're looking forward to it. How has the, the cooperative agreement with the county on sewer expansion helped with the growth? Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal for Williamston as well. So our current plant is, is um, uh, we have a capacity of 1 million gallons of which the town has allocated 700,000 gallons per day. And at times, particularly during heavy rain events, we, we get very close or hit that 700,000 gallons. So if we're looking at growth long term, uh, we don't have to have it right this minute, but in the near future, um, we would need that additional 300,000 gallons that the county owned. Um, county had, uh, you know, approached um, our Miss Wilson, our uh, county council member, uh, talked with several county council, other county council members, as well as the administrator, and they worked hard uh, to be able to uh, come up with an agreement whereby the town could purchase that additional capacity at 300,000 gallons that the county owns. Um, so we've got, they've had three readings on that, and uh, that's a done deal. We're waiting on our ARP funds to come in. It's the federal stimulus funds. As soon as they come in, we'll stroke a check out, and that capacity will be ours. And it's based on our projections that that's going to suit us for the next 20 years plus. So that's uh, that's huge. To put that in perspective, if we were to expand our plant to accommodate that additional 300,000 gallons, so we could use all that capacity, 
an average plant's going to run between $20 and $25 per gallon. So um, we're getting at a bargain rate. It's a win-win for everybody. Um, nobody would like to see a moratorium on building. And uh, without that additional capacity or an expansion to our plant in the next probably five years or so, um, there would have to be a moratorium on building, and DHEC would probably issue that. So um, this gives us control of our destiny uh, for a long time, uh, the next at least 20 to 30 years. And so that's important, I think, for the growth of Williamston and to keep rates low uh, in Williamston. You know, we always have the opportunity to be able to do like other municipalities and sell out our, our water and or sewer. Um, sewer is not a, um, it's a, it's a very difficult process by which to treat sewage, and it's a very expensive process. Um, so we're able to keep those costs as low as possible, um, uh, as well as continue to provide a much needed service for our residents. You've also had some upgrades at the park, am I correct? We've had some uh, pretty substantial upgrades in the park. So right now we're currently working on a sound system that will actually be uh, deployed on the uh, amphitheater that will also have music, ambient music playing throughout the park. So during Christmas events, stuff like that, you'll actually hear or, or the Christmas lighting. As you walk through the park, you'll hear Christmas music playing. Um, in addition, that'll serve as mass notification. So if we have a severe weather event or something like that, I can literally sit right here at the desk or tie in a NOAA weather radio and broadcast a message throughout our parks and, and our municipal buildings uh, to let people know that there's a, a, a situation and, and what action to take. So that's, uh, that's pretty big news um, for that area. If we're having events going on, we need to make an announcement about something, we can do that now. Or we'll be able to do that in the very near future. We can already do that here at Town Hall. Pickleball court, some other stuff? Yep, so pickleball, we've ran into some issue with soil remediation. As you know, obviously the spring is in the park, and so that water table is very, very high. And we've had, uh, uh, we've had a substantial amount of rain this year. Um, so what we found is, is if they were to go in and try to start milling right now, chances are that milling machine would sink up to its axles. So we know there's got to be some soil remediation. I've worked with the contractor. Um, the construction was supposed to actually start in August, and that didn't happen due to those soil issues. So they're going to get us a price to remediate that soil. I expect that to happen probably in the next week or so, and then council will have to meet again and determine you know, if they want to appropriate those additional funds to, to remediate the soil. Um, but we're starting to hit our window whereby they have to have so many days of, of warm weather um, that maybe we may have to push that off into the spring. Um, but our, our basketball courts are left open to the public. We've kept those, uh, those operational, and they will be operational up into probably the week before construction starts out there on the new basketball and pickleball courts. We're also looking at putting a fire pit in in the park. Um, uh, in the wintertime, it's always nice to be able to bring your family out, sit around, and, uh, and uh, enjoy a warm fire. So that's what we're looking, looking to do that as well. We're researching those options in cooperation with Envision Williamston. They're heading up that project for us. So. Uh, we're excited about that too. A lot of good things going on. We got Boo in the Park coming up on October the 30th. Um, look forward to that. We have thousands of kids come from all over, and uh, a lot of our vendors set up out there in the park and distribute candy and uh, and let people know about their business and what they do. So we're excited about that. Shortly following um, in November, toward the end of November, we'll have our annual Christmas tree lighting, and uh, we got a lot of work. You know, I see people people will comment. They see. Uh, Christmas decorations starting to go up in November, and a lot of people think that's too soon, but they don't realize all the work that goes into putting it. We have to start at that time in order to be ready. Uh, so shortly following Halloween, you'll start seeing Christmas decorations going up in the park 
and throughout town on property. So we yeah, hope it'll be How long does it take to get all that together in that, park, oh, it, that Christmas it, it, drive? It takes through. at least a month, and that's that's pulling folks off of the garbage trucks. That's, that's pulling every resource we have to put that together. So we're hoping we'll have a lot of good vendors, or not vendors, but businesses will set up their own displays in the park as well, in addition to what the town sets up. It makes it for a real magical event. Envision Williamston uh, is working with us this year, in addition to Diane Lawless and, and, and her folks that come out and help with uh, the Christmas tree lighting. Hopefully this year we're going to end up with the uh, carriage rides, horse and carriage, horse and buggy rides uh, throughout the park. They really want to make it magical this year. And so uh, we're going to go all in and do our best to make it um, uh, not only a, a safe place to go, but an entertaining place to go to for Christmas time. Spend some special moments with your family here in Williamston. Deck the Halls is always a great place to come out. A lot of people don't know about that, but we actually set up here in town halls open throughout the Christmas holidays. Uh, to come in the front door and you'll be able to come through, come in the mayor's office. There's trees lined up all the way down all these long hallways at Town Hall. And it really is a magical time of year. And it's a beautiful place to be, beautiful place to take your family uh, and spend some quality time with them. So we look forward to that as well. And then it's followed by the Christmas parade a couple of weeks after. Yeah, the Christmas parade, the second Saturday in December at 3 p.m. historically. Now, we don't have that uh, nailed down for sure yet, but historically... Uh, it'll likely be the second Saturday in December at 3 p.m. Yeah, I've always worked with the other towns to make sure everybody can cover all the parades. And That's correct. We want to make sure we're not stepping on somebody else's toes. They're not having something at the same time we are. So, uh, particularly with the Tri-City area, Pelzer, Pelzer uh, Williamston, and West Pelzer, uh, we want to make sure we're working with each other. You know, we're promoting each other's events and stuff like that to make sure um, that they get good coverage and good turnout for their events as well. Any other priorities you and council have identified to work on between now and the end of the year? Yeah, so we're currently working on some pretty major water and sewer projects. Um, our sewer project, again, will go from the fire department upgrading a line that, number one, it, about a third of the town feeds into uh, for sewer, and it's our last probably half mile from Main Street to the sewer treatment facility. And one of the issues we have is the piping is not only too small, but it also doesn't have enough fall. Uh, to accommodate uh, long-term growth. We're talking about 10 to 20 year growth. Um, when we have substantial rain events, there's always the potential for sanitary sewer overflows as well. And uh, obviously that's not good right nearby Big Creek. It's not good anywhere, but certainly not good, good by, not good nearby a water tributary such as Big Creek. That's a water source that we're, we're grateful to have and we want to make sure we take care of it. Um, so that, that initial project will upgrade that line basically from the fire department on Main Street all the way back to the sewer plant, upgrade it, and put the necessary fall on that's needed to accommodate uh, the sewerage uh, for about a third of the town that flows into that, that area. Um, second thing we're working on is a project is in engineering phase now that will replace pretty much all the water lines on the mill bill. It's a very expensive project. It's, it's probably going to be over a million dollar project, uh, but it's something that needs to be done. I think it, in most cases on the mill village, those water lines were put in the 30s and 40s, and they're still operational today. So you can imagine um, they probably look like my arteries probably a little clogged, and uh, we've, we've known to have tons of leaks and stuff out there. So, so the citizens uh, will really notice a difference once that's... They'll, they'll notice a huge difference, number one in pressure, but number two in, the, in the, uh, the frequency of leaks and stuff like that. Right now, we literally have homes built on top of water lines um, that we, we don't even know where they're at on occasion. You know, they may have a line that was ran back in the 30s and 40s with a home built on top of it, and they don't know till they call, the homeowner calls us and says, hey, there's water flowing under a home. Well, obviously that's not good. Um, so that's part of the use of our ARP funds. We hope to be able to leverage those funds with grant dollars as well uh, on the state and federal level. 
to be able to make those funds go as far as they can. But we're already spending uh, funding uh, from water and sewer for the engineering and design phases of both those two major, major projects. Um, and again, those are important for the town for, the, for our future. Um, that keeps us um, sustainable and it also keeps us uh, prepared for the future and any future growth that we may see in Williamston. And since you've been mayor, I mean, you, you've been on council, so you understood the system, but did you know you'd be this hands-on? seems like every time I see you, you're on a tractor. So, you know, it, it's, it's real. This job can be, it's a part-time job, okay? <laughs> and it can be real easy if I come in and sign, you know, do, you know, come in and sign the absolute things you have to do, which is sign purchase orders on Tuesday, sign checks on Thursday, and then uh, leave it up to somebody else to run day-to-day -day operations. Um, I'm a pretty hands-on guy, not only with my business, um, but also with the town, and uh, I found it works out very well. So I can dictate my own schedule, what that looks like, and I can be as involved as I want to be. And, and this is my town. It's important to me. Um, the residents of our town are important to me, and so I'm going to give it my best. I got three years, uh, about three years, a little over three years left to, uh, to really make a difference, and uh, I think it's a noticeable difference already. We're going to continue that trend. Um, I'm committing. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the next three years, but I'm committed to the next three years of uh, continuing that upward trend and uh, having good quality growth and, and doing what needs to be done for our residents and for the town as a whole. And one thing I wanted to mention is that Raglan and Bridges have both worked closely with West Pelzer Mayor Blake Sanders, who will be on next week's Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. Those three mayors working together is unusual, and it's something that's really good for all their towns and their areas. And... I just want to give a shout out to those three guys for forging friendships that help everybody who lives in those areas. And, you know, of course, Anderson County is growing in every direction, and it's good to see leaders with passion to manage that growth. It's easy to forget that the job of the mayor in Anderson County is a part-time position, and these men and women all have other jobs, so we appreciate their public service. If you missed it last weekend, Belton Standpipe Festival returned to good weather and good crowds. The car show was the biggest on record, and the Belton Museum launched a new exhibit on indigenous peoples of South Carolina. And museum director Abigail Burden had this to say about that exhibit. Tell people about the new exhibit here at the museum here in Belton. Okay, we have a new exhibit that opened today. It's called Natives and Immigrants. It looks at the indigenous people that were here in South Carolina and then the first European settlers in the colonial era uh, that then settled here. The uh, natives part includes a traveling exhibit from the State Museum uh, that looks all about the history of uh, the indigenous tribes that were here in South Carolina. And we also have a number of amazing artifacts from the colonial era here in South Carolina. I see pottery and some other things. We've got, we've got both uh, Native American pottery as well as colonial pottery from the European settlers. Uh, glassware, we've got some beautiful uh, Native American beading, as well as your everyday plates and dishes uh, from the colonial era and furniture. And how long will people have a chance to see this? This exhibit will be up through December. So it's open now through December. We're open uh, to the public Wednesdays through Fridays, 9 to 2, and Saturdays, 10 to noon. The museum also had something else interesting. They unveiled the latest local find. It's the bass drum from the old Geargant High School, which was assumed lost in 1969, but turned up recently at a Greenville Antique store and was purchased for the museum by an anonymous donor. Jeremiah Palmer who attended Geargant High School, which merged with, merged with Belton Honeypath High School in 1970 during desegregation, 
is now on the museum's board and is happy for the return of that drum. Remind people who you are that don't know you. Okay, I'm Jeremiah Palmer. Uh, they call me here in Belton, J.E. Palmer. And I'm on the board here at the museum. And uh, the drum that we got is from Gear Gant. And uh, this uh, uh, Gear Gant drum had been around a long time. I believe it was the only bass drum that we used. And uh, it, uh, it got away from us some kind of way at 69 is when Gear Gant came together with uh, Belt and Honeypie. And uh, we haven't seen the drum since. So it was just uh, a little bit uh, where it was two guys, two firemen, uh, happened to see it on Facebook. Uh, it was at the uh, antique place in, in Greenville. They were trying to sell it. And so the firemen saw this and they let uh, some of us know about it here. And, and Alice, Allison Darby, she learned about it. And so uh, they were saying whether we was interested or not. And the, uh, the board voted on, on getting the drum. And uh, we had uh, Charlene Ferguson, she helped, uh, she knew some people that would like to purchase it. And uh, even, uh, even the, somebody was out of state that, that wanted to purchase, young people. And uh, before I could help purchase it, they already had, had, had agreed to purchase it. And they wanted to be anonymous. They didn't want to share who it was. But we're happy to get this drum here, the bass drum from Geargant High School. And you remember this drum? Huh? Do you remember seeing this drum? Oh yeah, I remember seeing the drum because they was a marching band. And at Christmas time, they even had a marching band. They would come through uh, belt and marching and they had this, uh, the drum, the bass drum. And uh, I remember that real well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting that we found this. Drum. It is excited that this drum was found and the way it was located, because they were trying to sell it, I believe, for like three hundred and twenty-five dollars, something like that. And uh, but uh, they gave it to us, I believe, for two hundred and twenty-five, something like that. But anyway, if it hadn't been put on Facebook, uh, we might not have ever found it. But those two farmers. Uh, saw that and thought we might be interested in it and we were we voted on it and uh, purchased it but uh, the anonymous person is the one that uh, that paid for it. we didn't have to do it and, and that's a great thing also part of the festival was the return of Belton native Margaret Haney who is now a singer-songwriter in Nashville her first single, Girl Before the Girlfriend has gotten some national notice and she now plans to re release new music in November what's the first song you remember singing? What's the first time you remember singing a song? or What's the first song you remember? <laughs> the first song I remember singing? Um, I mean, probably songs in church, but the first um, performance I did that I can remember was actually um, Proud to be an American in my fourth grade talent show. And I, always, I love that memory because I love that song. Did you win? But, I don't know. I don't. You just remember the singing. Yeah, you? I just remember singing it. I don't know if I want or not. But, but you grew up singing in church. Tell me about what yeah. word in church did you grow up singing? Where in church? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Belton Presbyterian Church right around the corner um, and started singing in choir and um, then just would do performances here and there and then that led to singing in school choir and um, just progressed from there. When did you know? was going to be something more than just you like singing in choir and singing at church and stuff? 
Um, well, so I always just have enjoyed singing and it's what I'm passionate about. Um, and then after college, I just couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. I sang throughout college too, but um, I didn't know if I was gonna make it a career path, but um, moved to Nashville and um, was looking for a job and nothing seemed to make me happy. And I just, music was all that ever seemed to make me happy. And why would I do anything? Else, so. Where'd you go to college? Clemson. Did you sing so, while you were at Clemson too? Yes, so I sang in um, an acapella group uh, called Take Note and um, a couple choirs up there too. So. And let's talk about Nashville. You got to Nashville and what what was your first impression when you got to Nashville? Nashville, so I was a little intimidated when I first moved there but um, I finally got settled in over this past year and started playing gigs and um, doing some songwriting with some people and um, I feel like I'm getting a little more comfortable there. But it was intimidating at first because you go to Nashville and everybody's talented, you know, you're not, you're not the only one who's trying to do music, so. Um, but it's fun, it's, there's a lot of collaboration going on in Nashville and you, you can't beat it. Everybody around you is pushing for the same goal and all passionate about the same thing and it's really cool. And you've got one single out, is that, or EP? What, what do you have out right now? I have one single out, um, it's called Girl Before the Girlfriend, and then I'll be releasing another single um, in November. What kind of response so. have you gotten from that song? Um, I got a good response. So uh, originally I posted a little clip of that song on TikTok, which is, you know, social media video app, and um, just for people who may not know, um, so I posted a little clip of it, and at that time in my life, I was just, I wasn't pursuing um, a career in music. I was just figuring things out, and um, I didn't have much of a following on there, but it got a great response, and a couple hundred thousand people saw it and liked it, um, and so that's why I wanted to record it, because a lot of people said that it meant something to them and they could relate to the song, and um, so I wanted to record it for them and released it and it got a great great, great feedback um, but I'm really excited to uh, release more music and and then hopefully people will still listen to that one when they hear my new stuff. Who are your, your big influences? Who, who do you really like to listen to all the time and who, who's influenced your songwriting? Um, so I grew up listening to like alternative classic rock with my dad and um, like bluegrass. Alison Krauss is like I, she's like one of my biggest inspirations because I just love her voice so much. I think she's so talented. Um, but right now, like in country music, Ashlyn Craft is somebody I really look up to. Her songwriting, she's from the upstate as well. Um, but she and Miranda Lambert, um, yeah, probably for like my songwriting, that's who I admire. How much time do you spend writing songs and, and, and doing your music? I mean, I know you have to work and do that in Nashville. Yeah. That's the way most people getting into business do. Yeah, so I try to schedule, so it's called co-write, and you'll meet with somebody and try to come up with a song if you have an idea. I try to do that once or twice a week, but you know, sometimes it's just like once a week. And, um, and then I write by myself a lot, so that's just kind of whenever I feel inspiration, which is, I don't know, a couple times a week, maybe it's once a month. You know, sometimes I'm just not feeling inspired, but um, I try to do that and then I'll play a couple gigs. Um, I try to play like two or three gigs a week just for practice and it's fun and I enjoy it. So, um, 
So yeah, I try to stay busy with music and, and keep learning and growing and you working out on guitar. <laughs> yeah. So I do guitar and sorry. Okay, let's start. Just I do guitar. Okay. Yeah, so I play guitar and sing and just do acoustic sets and then um, sometimes we'll do full band shows in Nashville as well and um, that's been really fun. It's been really fun. And you said you were intimidated. Do most people back home when they see what you're doing realize how hard you're working? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people back home, everybody, everybody's life is a lot harder than you think. You know, everybody's working really hard, but then they, I feel like people may think, oh, you're moving to Nashville and doing music, like, you're living your dream, it must be so fun. And it is all of that, but it's a lot of work. Like, working to make a living, working to be able to live there and, like, pursue this dream is um, definitely a lot of work, but it's also really rewarding and worth it because I couldn't imagine doing anything else. <laughs> well, the people I talk to here, the mayor, are really excited for you. People who've known you <laughs> your whole life. Do you feel like you've got a lot of strong support from here? Oh, yeah. I feel like I have the best support system in the world. Um, everybody, it's been so fun being back home and just having everybody excited and ready for the show. And it just is a great, warm welcome back home. Uh, I have a great support system. And uh, they support me from here when I'm in Nashville, always shooting me. Um, you know, good luck text and all that stuff. So it's nice to know I have a good foundation back here. So you said you got another song coming out. What, what's next? What's next? Tell people about this song. So this next song is called If He Wanted To, He Would. And I wrote it with a couple friends in Nashville. Um, and the goal for that, we're going to release a music video and, um, and the song. And I'm really excited about that one. That one's more of like a country, like rock kind of vibe. So... I think it's going to be really fun. I'm hoping for a good response from it. I'm going to push it as hard as I can. <laughs> People who haven't heard your music, where can they hear you? Um, you can hear my music on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, any of the streaming platforms. Yep, YouTube, all that stuff. And your new one will be out when? And it'll be out, uh, we don't have an exact date, but I'm hoping the first couple weeks of November. Yeah. Um, I'm just so thankful for all my family and friends who have supported me um, throughout this whole journey and continue to support me and my wonderful support system back here in Belton. Um, and just can't wait to see where the future takes us. One of the reasons the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust podcast and newspaper were started more than a decade ago was to not only cover local news, but to advocate for those individuals and groups working to make Anderson a better place to work and live. One such person is Dave Phillips, who has done a lot of things to help folks in Anderson County, and he puts together the valuable resource guide to help our friends and neighbors in our community who might need a little extra help. He's also founder of the Hope Mission Downtown, a place where anyone can find a friendly welcome, a hot meal, and a place to find community. Hope Missions of the Upstate, or Honey's Place, as you'll see on the sign out there, um, really is an extension of what we started with a shower trailer back at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we were able to at, during the, at the shower trailer itself, that's a story all by itself, but basically the short version of the story is pandemic hit, Clean Start had to close down because they have a very elderly volunteer group, uh, and they don't mind me saying that. They have a very elderly uh, volunteer group that runs that. They told me that they were going to shut down. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be at one of the early county meetings about the emergency itself, and I raised a hand and said, hey, we need a shower trailer. And the answer, the immediate answer was, we don't have a shower trailer. 
but they heard the message, they heard the question, and our county went out of the way to track down a shower trailer. And I know there was all kind of people involved in that, but from my perspective, I asked the county they delivered a shower trailer. We put it on Salvation Army property. I don't know how many gallons of water we used. The city gave us a 500 gallon gray water tank that had to get emptied. I don't know how often, but we went yeah. through tons of water and lots of coffee. <laughs> and so we knew that there was a need for that, to have some place for people in the morning. Clean Start was able to open in July of last year with the provision that we took care of the people. So we checked the people in here uh, even though we're about 100 yards away from Clean Start. So we checked the check people in here. We managed the migration from, you know, four people at a time from, from our building down to Clean Start. Um, we have a little system where we keep track of everything so we, as best we can, we, we know what's going on with that. Um, so we provide breakfast Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Honey Dennison is amazing. Um, she loves on these guys. When we were at the shower trailer, she would be there with her car had food on the trunk, uh, feed the guys, Salvation Army gave us coffee. Um, so we, we knew that that need was there. Uh, and so we wanted to be able to provide guys breakfast. As one of our volunteers says here, you know, if we start the day right, we start the day with breakfast, then all these guys have an opportunity to succeed for that day. So that was really kind of the genesis of, of what we had going on here. Do you want me to just keep talking? Or... Well, yeah, and I'm thinking, um... <laughs> I do this kind, a lot. No, that's fine. Yeah, I understand. What, tell me about the need, the number of people who y'all have found really need this service. Yeah. So what we found, since we started a check-in system, actually with our friends right next door, we have friends at the Lot Project. So Cody and David and I got together and said, okay, here's what we really want to do. Just a super simple, what's your name, you know, what's your age, and, you know, kind of very little information, but just enough so that we could see who was coming um, and what we discovered was that most people only come once. Well, that's not fair. Most people, um, a great majority of the people only come once. Very few people come every time. There's a perception that there's same people come every time, every time, every time. And that's simply not true. And here's what we know. In the database I have right now, I have over a thousand unique names. One thousand. So that tells you that we have a thousand people plus in our community that are looking for a free meal, looking for a relationship, looking for hospitality. And so that's what we really wanna, we really wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus. We just wanna be the, the hospitality front line for people to come in and sit down and have a cup of coffee, have a, have a snack or have a breakfast if it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so really that's, that's what the need is, the need is I don't know how many people total, but it's not just what, what the impression may be it's also all about the homeless population, but a lot of these guys are living in, in some pretty dire straits. They're living in really on the margins. And so we provide an opportunity for them to get together and become part of the family here. Um, so that's, that's kind of the need and kind of what we do with it. Well, one of the things that, that to me looks different about this place is you encourage people to come and hang out. A lot of places that offer services just by their very nature have to get people in and out, in and out the doors, in and out the doors. Tell me about the different rooms you've got set up here and the different things people can do here and that y'all do encourage them to come and, and become community. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. When, um, when we heard about this building being available, I contacted the county and 
they gave us a tour and I'll be, be honest with you, when I looked at it at first, I saw all these little rooms and I thought, man, well, we'll make it work, right? And boy, was I wrong. These little rooms, this is a 1948 building. This was like serious concrete wall here. These little rooms allow guys to be able to kind of congregate the way they want to. They get to select where they are and have a quiet room. We have a reading room that has a bathroom in it. Uh, we have kind of an open room where, where people are kind of where you hear all the noise right now. We have another room that's a music room. Um, they're all relatively small spaces. We're sitting in the art room right now and then there's a storage room behind us here. And what that allows people, and there are chairs in every one of these rooms, and that allows people to get some quiet. They can have a cup of coffee, have their breakfast sandwich, and get some quiet. And they're welcome to linger. You, know, you mentioned that most people are just feeding and head out. You know, we encourage them to linger. We want to make a safe space for them where they feel comfortable and they're invited to stay. And you've got a place outside set up too. Yes, sir. We have we have a canopy out there. And what we did, what's really kind of funny, um, we put up a canopy right when we got here um, that had one of those nice um, vinyl kind of tops on it. And I'm telling you, two weeks, there was some storm that came through, picked that thing up, threw it down, trashed it. So the, the second canopy, we actually ordered, we thought we were ordering another one of those canopies. What we got was one of those mesh tops. You know, the garden kind of top, so you can set up like a greenhouse. It was God's provision. I, it really was, because that thing has been set up since. Um, you know, we've been here since 1st of July. Um, so, wherever we are there, so August, September, you know, we're, we're cruising right along. And it's been through lots of storms, but because it's not a solid top, it actually lives. Who supports this ministry and, and, and how can people help? Wow, thank you for ask, asking that question. This is a total volunteer operation. Everybody in here is volunteering to help us out. Um, the biggest support that we can use and what I'm asking for are for churches to pick a day to come in and provide a breakfast or, or a group. I mean, Rotary Club, uh, Sertoma, whoever might want to come in and, and just do a breakfast. And a, and a breakfast would be, you probably have to, for breakfast, you know, whatever time you need to be here, we open the door at 7.15 in the morning. So if you have to be here at 6.30 to get breakfast prepared or you can roll in right at 7, whatever works for you. Um, and then we're done by 10. So we're, we're vacuuming around 9.45 in the morning. So really, if you think about it, it's a 7 to 10 kind of spot. Um, and if we had... What days? Thank you. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from about 7.15 to 10 is when we're, we're open up. So anybody that can come in and help us out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 to 10 roughly, that would be great. Now I do, I do uh, for Tuesday and Thursday, by the way, we are open on Tuesday and Thursday. So Tuesday I do a Bible study here. Um, so I lead a Bible study. We're almost finished with the book of Acts. And then we're going to go on to Hebrews. So it's really good stuff if you want to come for a Bible study basically on the street. So 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Thursday we open up as well, but it's a free day. So that allows us to have people come in for appointments. We have, uh, I didn't mention this, but I want to make sure I put this out there. Uh, we have Austin Wilkes here. The Austin Wilkes Society specializes in helping guys that are coming out of jail, uh, coming out of incarceration, get their lives back together. So they actually have an office here. Um, so we were able to provide that. But we want Thursday to be that day where they could come in for appointments or in just individual time. All we do is have coffee and maybe some light snacks. Um, but Monday through Friday, 
guys have a place to go uh, in the morning to be able to get a cup of coffee and just have a nice slow start to the day. My financial support, how can people support it financially? Hey, so for financial support, we're a 501c3 um, charity for South Carolina. We, we have our IRS <laughs> letters that so we're completely legit. Uh, go on our website, it's hopeupstate.org, and you'll see the donate thing on everywhere, um, like anybody else, right? So just, you can donate directly. Um, you can donate food provision. Um, you can donate boxer brief underwear, which we go through by, you can't imagine how many. Uh, socks and boxer briefs go out the door every day. And that, that's one of the things we mentioned. We saw that there's clothing available too. Right, thank you for asking. Yeah, Monday we do is our clothing day. So Monday we, we have a little slip of paper we ask some guys to fill out. Uh, we are actually keeping track of that. So after we're done, we go and, and look at it. So again, we're trying to tabulate to understand what our needs are uh, and be able to get that out. But yeah, Monday, clothing, a uh, bunch of clothes goes out the door and that's been donated. Um, women's clothes, we have a ton of. You know, if I want to put any kind of plug in, it would be for men's <laughs> trousers, size 30, 32, 34. Our racks are empty. Most people around here that do clothing, their racks are empty in that, and men's size is 30, 32, 34. Can't keep them on the rack. You've been involved in ministries similar to this for a long time. Uh, are you seeing the need growing? I mean, the, a, a greater number of people needing a little assistance? Um, well, the reason we're keeping track of the numbers is so that we can actually articulate that. We don't want to just say anecdotally, yeah, there's a great need, because then it just sounds like the sky is falling a little chicken little thing. But we're actually keeping track of that, so we can actually show you how the numbers are increasing. We know our friends at the soup kitchen are seeing their numbers go back up, uh, and that's probably one of the best thermometers that we have, because those guys, uh, keep they have to keep track of their numbers because they're cooking food five days a week. Um, so we're watching those guys, we, we communicate with those guys. A lot of project is seeing their numbers creep back up. Uh, we're seeing numbers pretty big here. You know, last week we had 75 on Wednesday. Uh, and so it comes and goes. I mean, you don't see it. If you just, if you just had a camera on stop action, you'd, you'd see the crowd. Um, but it comes and goes. They come and go as they, as they wish. So are they increasing? Um, I, I believe the data will show you that the numbers are increasing, um, but here's the thing, it's not thousands of people. It may be a thousand people plus in our database, but they're not all showing up at one time. So it isn't something where we have to get the fire brigade going, it's not that kind of thing. But it is something that if we don't keep our thumb on the pulse, then we're going to miss an opportunity to be able to serve people right where they are and right where they need to be. Is there anybody you want to thank particularly just to make just as a goodwill gesture? I don't want you to leave anybody else, but if there's somebody like this been a phenomenal supporter, if you want to make sure, I'm just asking, I don't know. Sure. Um, I definitely want to shout out, first of all, to Anderson County. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to name names, so I'll just you not. Can? I, well, let me, let, me, let me thank Steve Newton, Rusty Burns in particular. Um, we had a couple council members come out, and um, so... Our uh, District 1, District 2 came out right away, John Wright Jr., uh, Glenn Davis came out to take a tour. The rest of the council, you're welcome to come out. City is welcome to come out. We'd love to show you what we're up to. Um, we've had some churches that are phenomenal help. Temple Baptist, 
first Friday of every month, they're here doing breakfast and they knock it out of the park. Uh, we, have, we have help from New Spring, we have help from uh, Hope Fellowship, we have help from Gospel Light. So we're getting lots of good help. We just need more. We need more churches involved. I need you know, about 13 to 15 churches consistently involved to, to make sure we have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday operation running. I personally would like to see Tuesday and Thursday be you know, a full service kind of day as well, but that's kind of a dream right now. Uh, but many, many things. There's so many volunteers. Oh, one person I really make sure that I don't fail to mention. Kim Shore is the executive director of Hope Missions of the Upstate. And Kim is the one that just wouldn't let go. When I was doing the shower trailer and calling out for volunteers, Kim came and stayed. And she really has a heart for this community and has done a phenomenal job with getting things running and, and keeping things going. The volunteers that are here are amazing. Uh, from Honey to Ron and Julie Huber. Um, well, I'm gonna leave out some names if I start that. Yeah, okay. but, but, you know, this we just have great volunteers that just have a heart, uh, that, that just wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we wanna do. Again, appreciate all the work Dave Phillips and his folks down there are doing and the other work that they're doing too. There are so many doing so many good things. Remember that AIM is still collecting shelf-stable foods for their annual trick-or-treat so others can eat campaign. AIM is also still working with the county to distribute funds to help those facing eviction due to the pandemic and have already distributed more than $2 million so far. So if you're looking for somebody to support toward the end of the year, remember these agencies. AIM is one of them. And the YMCA is collecting food for the Good Neighbor Cupboard this month, so you can drop off donations there. Meals on Wheels continues to need drivers and other volunteers as they serve homebound folks with hot meals five days a week. And we'll soon be preparing packages of winter uh, meals for folks if the weather turns bad. So again, if you're looking for somebody to support, any of these groups is a good support uh, place to give your resources or your time as the end of the year comes. And the Anderson County Arts Center continues to search for artists who have any connection with Anderson University for a new show. Any former or current student or faculty member is eligible, and you can find out more about the Anderson Arts Center exhibit on their Facebook page. And if singing is more your thing, the United Way's Anderson Sings competition is underway and open to all singers and musicians. You can look for details on the United Way of Anderson's website and find out if it's something you're interested in, if you're a good singer or a good musician and want to compete in that. It's all to raise funds for good causes and it, the winner will be given places on stage to perform as well as to win a prize. Well, that's it for this extended edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Join me next time and until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place.